Hello, and welcome to the Word Experience Podcast, where the Word of God is experienced in a fresh new way. Prepare yourself to hear God's Word talk with simplicity and understanding. And now, here's your host, Cliff Goldberg. What it do, fam? What it do? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Word Experience Podcast, where we experience the Word in a fresh new way. I am your host, Cliff Goldberg, and as usual... We're going to start the show off with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this time of coming together to hear your word, to gain understanding of your word, to gain concept of your word, and to gain context of your word. We just, uh, we're just so awed by you, God. We, we just appreciate how you love us and what you do in us and what you do through us into the lives of other people. Now, God, as we come together to hear your word, we declare that every ear is open to hear, every heart is open to receive. We declare that no weapon formed against this time shall prosper. And we declare that uh, the will of God will be done in the lives of those who are hearing this podcast now, later, years from now, because there is no time or distance in the spirit. I declare, God, in the name of Jesus, that every word that I speak will be exactly what the listeners need to hear, exactly when when they need to hear it. And uh, God, we just bless you for this time and honor you for what you are about to do. We declare these things to be so in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, fam. I got a good one. I got a good one. I got a good one. Boy, boy, I tell you. Uh, Now, we've heard, uh, if any of you have been in church uh, for any amount of time, uh, you've heard this phrase, spiritual warfare, right? And there have been a lot of definitions about spiritual warfare. Uh, You've also maybe heard uh, a scripture that Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, where he instructs Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. And um, so we're combining those two concepts. And uh, this show is known as, I call it the good fight, the three levels of spiritual warfare. The good fight, the three levels of spiritual warfare. So we're going to break this down. Some of these things you may have heard before, some of them may be new to you, some of them you may have heard before, but not quite in this context. Uh, One of the things I get excited about where the Word of God is concerned is that the Holy Spirit now is releasing revelation that allows us to see the Word in a new context, from a different perspective or from a deeper perspective, however you want to look at it. So uh, it's exciting. These are exciting days. I know we're dealing with a lot of challenges in the world today, but God continues to be God. And he instructs us to be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the works of the Lord. For we know that our labor will not be in vain. Amen. That was for somebody because that's not even in my notes. (laughs) All right. uh, This is probably going to be in two parts uh, because I got a lot of scriptures I want to share, a lot of context, some different translations, and and, uh, then whatever God is going to add uh, to the study that I've done. So we'll probably do this in two parts, the good part, part, the good fight, part one, and the good fight, part two. So let's dive in. I alluded uh, a few minutes ago to the scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. So let's go ahead and go there. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. It's interesting that when you have an idea about what a scripture means and then you study it and you go, that's not quite what it means. Okay. <laughs> and then you have to open your mind up to receive 
the proper context, the proper point of view of the scripture. And uh, man, I tell you, revelation and enlightenment will come in a whole different way when we open ourselves up to let God, by the Holy Spirit, show us what the scripture means uh, in a different way context. So let's look at this. Fight the good fight of faith, wrote 1 Timothy 6 and 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The New Living Translation of 1 Timothy 6 and 12 says, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Now, um, it, it's possible that an understanding of this scripture, and I've kind of kind of alluded to this in talking to people in times past, is that um, we fight the good fight of faith and we use our faith uh, and keep our faith on the battlefield until we receive what we're believing God for. Fight the good fight of faith, right? And, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily incorrect, but that's not necessarily what Tip Paul is talking about here when he's writing Timothy. What he's talking about here is fight the good fight to hold on to your faith. Fight the good fight to hold on to your true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you right? Fight to hold on to your godly way of living and your godly way of thinking. You have to, you have to sometimes fight to hold on to that. Now, a lot of people will tell you that being a Christian is hard. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do agree that sometimes you have to fight to stand on what you believe in, especially in these days where there are a lot of different beliefs out there. There are a lot of different beliefs within the body of Christ. Uh, well, I'll say within the church, because I think within the real body of Christ, you know, we're, we're pretty much on the same page. But within the church, there are all kinds of different beliefs and all kinds of different ways to see what it is or to determine or define what a Christian is. And then outside the church, oh my goodness, there's all kinds of things that are out there, all kinds of beliefs. So from time to time, we have to fight for what we believe in, not fighting other people but fighting on the internal, in our internal hearts. Fighting to go, no, 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 that's not what the Word says. The Word says this, and this is what I believe. I'm not going to believe this. I'm going to believe that. And when outside pressures come, or outside temptations come that tempt you to believe something contrary to the Word, that's where the fight is, right? I'm thinking about now uh, in the book of Genesis where the story is told of how the serpent was talking to Eve and uh, asked Eve, hath God said uh, such and such and such and such? And, and Eve is like, you know, she gave the report. You know, God said we shouldn't do this. She was a little, you know, off because, you know, she said God said we're not even to touch the, the, the fruit or we'll surely die. And, and, and the enemy came with a contrary word. He says, you will not surely die. See, now the fight begins because Eve has received a word that's contrary to the word of God. And anytime we receive a word that's contrary to the word of God, there's a fight now that must commence, 
right? We heard about that scripture in the Old Testament. Uh, there was a report that came to someone, and uh, the wisdom that came was, whose report will you believe? And the answer was, we will believe the report of the Lord. See, see, there's a different report that's coming. Joshua talks about, I believe it's in Joshua 24, uh, he says to the people, if you believe God is God, follow him. If you believe uh, so-and-so and such-and-such is God, follow them. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? There is a competition for your loyalty. That's good, Lord. There is a competition for your loyalty. Who will you be loyal to? And there will be images and ideas and words and, 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 and things that happen that will challenge your loyalty to God, challenge your loyalty to living a godly lifestyle. You may be put in a position where somebody is really, really attractive to you and, and you know, they, they have no problem getting down and dropping the underwear, right? If I was in the street, I'd say it a little differently, but, you know, even though this is my podcast, I'm going to be a little, you know, I'm going to be rated PG with that one, right? But they don't have any problem, you know, getting naked and jumping in bed with you. And there is a fight that now begins that you have to fight for what you believe in. If you believe in, in what the word says about fornication and for believers to, to abstain from fornication. And here is fornication staring you in the face saying, come on, baby, it ain't going to be that bad. God understands you have needs, right? There is a fight that's going to begin. That's a neutral voice because sometimes that's a male voice and sometimes that's a female voice. <laughs> it's crazy out there in them streets, man. I'm telling you, right? But there is an internal fight that begins. And Paul is saying, fight that good fight. And, and, and anybody who's been in a fight or anybody who's watched a fight will tell you a good fight is a fight that you win, right? So we have to fight the good fight. The, the New Living Translation says the good fight for the true faith. Fight the good fight for the truth faith, what you know to be true, right? Hold tightly to the eternal life which God has called you. Hold tightly to it, right? Hold tightly to that. Like we can't take godly living for granted. We can't be flippant or, or complacent about our godly living. We have to be vigilant about our godly living, right? I believe in 1 Peter Peter writes to be uh, uh, vigilant, sober-minded, right? Because the enemy roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We have to be vigilant and sober about our godly living. We can't just be flipping about this thing, all right? So we hold tightly to it, the eternal life. Now, I, I pulled up a commentary, uh, and the commentary says regarding 1 Timothy chapter 6 and 12, there must be a conflict with corruption and temptations and the opposition to the, of the powers of darkness. Observe, it is a good fight, it is a good cause, and it will have a good issue. That's if you engage in the fight. As believers, we can't run from this particular fight because it's challenging our loyalty to God. And we can't run away from that. You know, people want to attack you for being a Christian. You have to fight and go, this is what I believe. Now, you know, you may or may not end up in an argument or a debate with another person. But if you do, I will say, just tell them what you believe. Stand on what you believe. 
Fight for what you believe internally, not fighting other people, but fighting internally. No, I don't care what they say. This is what the word says. I don't care what the circumstances say. This is what the word says. I don't care what they believe. This is what I believe. And you fight for that. You fight for that at two o'clock in the morning. You fight for that on your job. You fight for that in the middle of difficult financial circumstances. You fight for that in the middle of physical challenges. You fight that good fight. And you stand and you lay hold to the godly life that you say you have. Now, one of the things I love about God, he doesn't ask us to do things without giving us examples. And the word of God is full of examples of all kinds of different things that we are to do. Um, uh, I believe in Romans 15, uh, Paul talks about the things that were written aforetime or for our learning, right? Uh, in Hebrews 12, he says, we are uh, uh, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, right? Those witnesses being the examples of faith that were laid out in Hebrews 11, all right? So God never puts us out there to do things and not give us a mark or example uh, or a model that we can accomplish, that we can set our uh, uh, emotional and spiritual thermostat on. So Jesus here is a great example of fighting the good fight of faith here. And we look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, and we see Jesus literally stepping into the ring and getting into a fight about what he believes and what he stands on. So Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And this was after he fasted for 40 days, right? And then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, or he was, he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, he fasted 40 days, and then the enemy came and tempted him. And, and many of us are familiar, we're not going to go there, but many of us are familiar with those temptations in Matthew 4. You know, if you be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Why? Because I know you're hungry because you've just been fasting for 40 days. And Jesus comes back and says, um, um, it is written, Man should not eat by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, he's in a fight, and what he's fighting with is what he believes based on the word of God. And there were two other temptations that uh, Satan brought to him, and uh, he fought the good fight. Because at the end, the scripture says in Matthew 4 that, this, that the enemy left him, and then angels came and ministered to him. So um, sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you into a fight. What do you believe in? What do you believe in? You know, Job was led into a fight to see what he really believed in because the enemy was challenging Job's loyalty, told God to his face, you take away the hedge of protection, he'll curse you. No, he won't. Yes, he will. No, he won't. Yes, he will. I tell you what, I'm going to remove the hedge. You can touch everything but him. And watch what my man Job does. And Job stood and he fought the good fight of faith. Right? And at the end, at the end, at the end of the fight, he won the fight and came out with much more than he did going into the fight. That's a word for somebody. Don't be afraid of the fight. Because once you win the fight, you're going to come out of the fight with more than what you came into the fight with. You may lose some things going into the fight, but what you gain is going to be so much more. 
so much more. And you're going to appreciate God that much more. All right. All right. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 2. We're still looking at Jesus as our example. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 18 Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18 says, For in that he himself, talking about Jesus, he himself has suffered, being tempted. He is able to aid those who are tempted. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. I remember reading this, and I thought about that old hymn, um, 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 Ask the Savior to help you. Comfort, strengthen, and keep you. He is able to aid you. He will carry you through. Right? Right? So so ask the Savior to help you in the middle of the fight. Because he's able to help you when you're in your fight. Because he had a fight himself. The Passion Translation of Hebrews 2.18 says, He suffered and endured every test and temptation so that he can help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. Jesus suffered and endured every test and temptation so that he can help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. I think in another scripture in Hebrews, I think chapter 4, it says that he was touched. We, we do not have a high priest who was not touched by the feelings of our infirmities, right? But he was tempted at all points, yet without sin. So because of that now, we can boldly come to the throne of grace and ask for mercy and grace to help in a time of need. So because he understands and he has endured temptation, then he can help us to endure our temptation. It's, it's nice to have somebody who's already fought a fight to help you fight a fight. You know, many uh, in the boxing world, many fight fighters who have trainers, their trainers are ex-fighters. So they've been where this guy has been. They've been where this woman has been. They've been in the ring. So the wisdom that they give is going to be based on the experience that they've had by fighting themselves. Right? So Jesus had to fight. So now he's equipped to help us when we fight. And he helps us by, you know, by the Holy Spirit and and um, and the example that he gives us in Matthew chapter 4. Use the word of God as your weapons. I'm not going to get into that. We're going to talk about weapons a little later. All right. Okay. So that's that's the internal fight. That's the internal spiritual warfare. We're fighting uh, against temptations to come off of what we believe. We're fighting against temptations to step away, f to, to be loyal to circumstances more than be loyal to the word of God. And that's a fight we fight on a regular basis. Fighting to love those who are hard to love when it would be easy to just not love them. That's a fight. It's a fight to love the unlovely. But as godly people, we have to win that fight, overcome that temptation, and figure out a way to love the unlovely. Amen? So that's, that's the first level of spiritual warfare. Now let's look at the, the next level. This is a more traditional understanding of spiritual warfare. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And this is, you know, when you talk about spiritual warfare, this is usually where uh, people go to or they reference uh, the, this particular scripture. And they're not wrong. 
um, you know, because we're about to read it now. <laughs> All right. So who are we really fighting now externally? Who are we? That, that was the internal fight. This is now uh, we're going to look at two versions, an external fight. Uh, a natural external fight and a spiritual external fight. So we want to look at this spiritual external fight. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The Amplified Translation says, For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against despotisms, against the powers, against the master evil, uh, I'm sorry, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. The Phillips translation, I got like four different translations so you can really grasp uh, this concept. The Phillips translation says, for our fight is not against any physical enemy. This is something that we really have to grasp, fam. As believers, we have to understand we have to fight the battle on the right battlefield. We have to fight the proper opponent. We, you know, it's easy to look at a person and fight that person. It's easy to look at people who are connected to some political party and fight them because of their political affiliations. But that's not where the fight is supposed to be. Our fight is not against any physical enemy. It is against, watch this, organizations and powers that are spiritual. I'm going to read that again. For our fight is not against any physical enemy. It is against organizations and powers that are spiritual. Reading on. We are up against the unseen power that controls this dark world and spiritual agents from the very headquarters of evil. Man. And we've got to shift our thinking and stop attacking people and attack the spirits behind the people. Who's, who's driving the car, the mind of that person? That's where our fight is. It's not the person. The person is just being a puppet for the real enemy, right? The unseen power that controls this dark world and spiritual agents from the very headquarters of evil. See, it's not about fighting a greedy person. We have to fight greed, we're not supposed to fight a selfish person. We're supposed to fight selfishness. Right? We're not supposed to fight against somebody who's self-righteous. Our fight is against self-righteousness. Now, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and talk about this, but it's a challenge to be able to recognize who we're actually supposed to be fighting, especially when we get offended, especially when we get hurt, Right? Especially when somebody comes against us, sometimes maybe physically. Now listen, 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 listen to what I'm saying. Somebody put their hands on you or somebody that you love, you probably need to defend yourself. But defending yourself is not the same thing as fighting somebody. You may end up in a fight. <laughs> right? 
but 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 based on what we're talking about now you don't start a fight with somebody this this is why and this is this is just cliff this is just me this is just me all right so you can take it or leave it i'm not a big fan of believers debating i'm just not i'm just not a big fan of debating because a debate implies that there has to be a winner or a loser and even though we are to fight the good fight i that's you know people believe what they believe and it's a real challenge to get them to change the mind of what they believe and i, I just you know debating you go back and forth and back and forth and this happens a lot in social media and nobody has an effective impact in the lives of those that they're debating you just don't these per this 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 group of people are in their corner this group of people are on their corner and they just go back and forth and they go back and forth and they go back and forth and they go back and forth and all they really do is defend their beliefs and nothing really changes you know um so what do we do, Cliff? You know, now I'm saying, saying for me. Now there are other people debating is like their breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's what they breathe on. And okay, that's fine. But for me, I just think a declaration of what I believe, a declaration of of of, of what I believe the gospel is, a declaration of how God loves us. You know, declaring those things and then walking those things out around the people who want to debate and, and not believe. I think that has a uh, just a more powerful impact in the lives of people when they when we tell them what we believe and then we back it up by our actions. I think that's better than any debate that we can have. Now again, that's me. Some of you debating is, you know, you've seen effectiveness in, in debating. That's cool. I'm just telling you from my perspective. Okay. But, but, but stepping back into what we're talking about now, in a debate, you got to understand what your fight is against. Because people get heated. Folk get angry. Emotions are flying all over the place. Name calling starts happening. Ah, how, much, how, much, how much impact are we having in those types of situations? People get unfriended. Folks come out of their character, you know, yelling and screaming. Where where is the good being done there, right? So we want to make sure we we understand and recognize who we are fighting. I want to read one more uh, translation. This is the Passion translation of Ephesians six and twelve. The Passion translation says, "Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings." but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. That's who we're fighting. We're not fighting human beings. We're fighting the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms, operating in rebellion to God. We are fighting rebels to God, which means we're going to have to use God's weapons to win these battles. We cannot fight a spiritual battle with natural weapons. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but it's cool. We cannot fight spiritual battles with natural weapons. And for me, debating is a natural weapon. Calling people out of their names is a natural weapon. Using statistics and facts and figures, natural weapons. If we're really going to win the battle, fam, we're going to have to use the right weapons to fight the right enemy on the proper battlefield. All right? Now, I want to back this up 
or support this uh, even more by going to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. I want to welcome my international listeners. Uh, I've got a, a listener in Dublin, Ireland. I've got a listener in Berlin, Germany. And, uh, and all of you in the United States, welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad to have you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Again, the right battlefield and the right enemy, the right opponent, who are we truly fighting? We're not fighting people. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The Phillips translation says, the truth is that although, of course, we lead normal human lives, the battle we are fighting is on a spiritual level. Although we lead normal human lives, the battle we are fighting is on the spiritual level. On the spiritual level. Some of us are fighting mindsets that were planted in our minds when we were eight years old. And the person who planted it is dead and gone. And yet you're still dealing with that. Well, you can't fight that on a natural level, on a natural battlefield. That's a spiritual thing. Right? The truth is that although, of course, we lead normal human lives, the battle we are fighting is on the spiritual level. The message translation says, the world is unprincipled. It's dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. We fight our fight in a different way. It's like if a boxer went in to fight somebody who was a mixed martial artist. They're fighting in two different ways, two different styles, and that mixed martial artist is going to wear that boxer out because all that boxer knows how to do is use their hands. The mixed martial artists can use their hands, their feet, their knees, their elbows, their forearms, right? They can grapple, they can choke you, they can take you and flip you over. They've got all kinds of weapons, a myriad of weapons. All you got are your hands. And that's, how, that's sometimes how we fight these spiritual battles with natural weapons. All we got are our hands. The enemy's got all kinds of different stuff right? But we have access to those spiritual weapons. So we're going to get to those a little later. All right. So let's make sure we recognize who we're fighting and where we're fighting. All right. And here we go. Right. I'm just scrolling on my notes, fighting with the right weapons. That's the next heading that we're dealing with. Look at this, man. It's amazing. It's like I wrote it myself. Wait a minute. I did. <laughs> So thankful to God for this word, man. I, I really do. I, if it wasn't for the word of God, all I'd have was my opinion. And, you know, everybody's got those. And what, what puts one person's opinion, uh, the value of one person's opinion over another? That status, I guess, you know. But, um, you know, when you have the quote-unquote opinion of the word of God, it'll go out there and it doesn't matter who it comes from. If somebody hears it and grabs it, it's going to change their life. And that's why I'm sitting here in this mic laying out these podcasts for someone to hear it and receive it, understand it, and apply that word to their lives so they can change their lives. All right. All right. So let's look at what it is to fight with the right weapons. Uh, we're going to say it, stay at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to move to verses 4 and 5. 
All right. So 2 Corinthians 10 and 3, just a quick review, says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. All right. So now let's look at our weapons. Verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's the effectiveness of our weapons. All right. Again, I've got a couple of translations and I'm feeling now just read the translations and let you guys hear them. And whatever context and revelation God adds to that, we'll, we'll let him do that. But I just want to read these translations. Uh, this is the voice translation. It says, The weapons of the war we're fighting are not of this world, but are powered by God and effective at tearing down the strongholds erected against his truth. That's what we're going against. We're going against ways of thinking that that are that are built against the truth of God against the truth of who God is against the truth of who Jesus was again uh, or is against the truth of the holy spirit against the truth of unconditional love right the the weapons that God gives us the god powered weapons weapons are effective at tearing down the strongholds erected against his truth Watch this. We are demolishing arguments and ideas. Every high and mighty philosophy that pits itself against the knowledge of the one true God. We are taking prisoners of every thought, every emotion, and subduing them into obedience to the anointed one. We're not fighting people, fam. We're fighting thoughts and ideas. We're fighting thoughts and ideas. You know, I don't want to get political with this, but, you know, we've been talking about for decades the war on terrorism. And, and we go off and we fight people. But you cannot, you can kill a person, but killing that person will not kill the idea that that person carries. If that person gave that idea to another person, another person gave that idea to another person. So now you have this group of people who have a certain idea and a gun won't kill an idea. A bomb won't kill a thought, right? Now you can say, well, you know, we want to make sure we keep people out of our country or defend our way of living. Okay, that's fine. If they're attacking me or, or they're attacking us, okay, fine. That's defending. But you cannot kill a thought by killing a person. And what our weapons are designed to do are kill thoughts and ideas and philosophies that oppose God. Right? Uh, what does he say? We are demolishing arguments and ideas Every high and mighty philosophy that pits itself against the knowledge of the one true God. Years ago, there was a boxing match, two fighters. If you know the fight, you know what I'm talking about. But I'm not going to get into names because people are people and I'm not trying to get down like that. But, but these two guys were fighting. One was a believer and one was a non-believer. And the non-believer, I think, had been attacking uh, the other fighter uh, you know, pregame hype and all of this stuff and attacking his God. And and the believer won the fight against all odds. 
and I was at a fight party where just about everybody was cheering for the non-believer, and I think me uh, and maybe one other person was cheering for the believer. It was funny because the the fighter who was the believer had Philippians 4.13 on his trunks, right? And and I'm I'm digging it. I'm like, oh, man, that's cool. But I'm not saying anything. And somebody said, well, what's that on his trunks? What's that? I said, that's Philippians 4.13. They said, what does that mean? I said, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I got excited because I knew, I knew that that's where he was getting his strength from. He was getting his strength from his God-powered weapon. He wins the fight, upsets the, you know, the, the, the status quo. And, and part of his interview, one of the things that he talked about, he said he want, you know, he thanks God that he wanted to show that God, the God that he served was the true God. Now he was in a real fight. <laughs> he was he was fighting flesh and blood. <laughs> but he was he was he used that to prove a spiritual point that my God is God. I remember in the movie The Ten Commandments, and the flood washed over all the Egyptians. Right. And Yul Brenner, who was playing uh, Pharaoh, looked at the, the dead Egyptians and he said, uh, no, he came back home and his wife was berating him because, you know, she didn't come. He didn't come back with Moses's head. And he sits there and he says, his God is God. Right. And that's the fight that we fight. We fight philosophies and arguments and ideas Right. And we actually we don't fight him. We demolish them. He says we demolish arguments and ideas and high and mighty philosophies that pits themselves against the knowledge of the one true God. We're taking prisoners of every thought, every emotion. See, this is a good fight here for us because we win. This is a good fight. We're not just fighting. We're demolishing. We're tearing down strongholds erected against God's truth. Demolishing arguments and ideas. Demolishing high and mighty philosophies. Those are the weapons that God has given us. The God-powered weapons. Revelation. The leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. The ability to bind and loose in the spiritual realm. Those are our God-powered weapons. Let me read this from the Phillips translation. He says, The very weapons we use are not those of human warfare but powerful in God's warfare for the destruction of the enemy's strongholds. Our battle is to bring down every deceptive fantasy and every imposing defense that men erect against the true knowledge of God. We even fight to capture every thought until it acknowledges the authority of Christ. And it's like, you know, I'm getting fired up. You stick around me long enough, I'm going to pull all of that stuff down. You come at me with them crazy beliefs if you want to. You stick around me long enough. I'm going to give you the truth of God's word. I'm going to love you the way God tells me to love you, which is one of the most powerful weapons we have. And I'm going to give you the word of God from a context where you understand that you're just blowing a bunch of smoke, dude. You don't even know what you believe. I met a lady years ago, and she had since got born again. And uh, I was at a Bible study visiting a friend of mine's Bible study. And the lady and I were talking and she said, you know, God really delivered me because I had created my own religion. I go, really? She said, yeah, I created my own religion. You know, so there's all kinds of crazy thinking out there. But when we utilize the God powered spiritual weapons, we can demolish and tear down those things. 
and then love on that person, man. Sow a do-good seed into their lives. Smile. Wish them a God bless you. Go on about your business. Give them a track if if you're into giving. If you got tracks, if they still do tracks, I don't know if you know if they still do that these days with social media and things of this nature. Turn them on to some scriptures. Turn them on to some ministers who teach the word of God and minister the word of God. And uh, you know, Paul says some plant, others water, but God gives the increase. So maybe you can plant a seed, right? Amen. All right. Now I want to go specifically, more specifically, into our spiritual weapons and then i think i'm gonna stop here yeah i think i may stop here yeah and we'll pick up with part two on the next the, the next version uh the next episode of the word experience podcast where we experience the word in a fresh new way <laughs> all right let's stay in ephesians chapter six or let's go back to ephesians chapter six and we want to look at verses 13 through 17. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17. And we want to look more specifically at our spiritual weapons. All right. Ephesians 6, verses 13 through 17. Verse 13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I just want to break down what these weapons are. Now, now some people will teach that all of this is about the Word of God. I don't necessarily disagree. But since we have these specific things, let's look at our weapons. All right? Truth is a weapon. Righteousness, my right standing with God, is a weapon. The preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is a weapon. The shield, faith is a weapon, right? What else we got? Salvation is a weapon. And the word of God is a weapon. Now, it's the only one that's actually specifically called a weapon because he calls it this, the sword of the spirit. So that's the only real weapon. But, but these things are a part of our armor that, that in the middle of a fight, Right? That armor protects and guards us. Okay? Truth protects and guards me. Righteousness protects and guards me. The gospel of peace protects me. Right? Faith protects me. And when I'm salvation protects me. And when I've got all of that protection, I can go forth with the word of God and win any spiritual battle that I find myself in. The message translation here says, Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own, right? We don't, you know, we talked about the spiritual uh, opponents and the spiritual forces that we're fighting. He says, you're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Here we go. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. 
Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. And then he says, finally, God's word is an indispensable weapon. God's word is an indispensable weapon. You cannot go into a spiritual fight without the word of God. I talked about this when Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was tempted. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Right? So, so he quoted the scriptures. He used the word of God as his indispensable weapon against the temptations that came from the enemy. You cannot fight a spiritual battle without the word of God. You just can't. You just can't. Not in, not in win. Not in win. I don't care what the horror movies say and all of that stuff about exorcism and demon. I don't care about all that. You cannot win a spiritual battle without the word of God. So we want to get proficient in not just memorizing the word of God, but in understanding how to apply the word of God. Understanding what the word of God means in my life. Understanding what the word of God says about me. What the Word of God says about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about the, the, the characteristics of godly living. Understanding those things and applying them in a spiritual battle. See, it's hard to love somebody that's unlovable if you don't have an understanding about love that comes from the Word of God. Hard to do. It's hard to do when you have that understanding. I know. I've had to do it several times. It's not hard. It's not easy. But because I understood that weapon of love that came from the weapon of the word of God, I was able to apply it in the right way and ultimately gain the victory. All right. All right. I want to look at this last weapon. That is the authority of the believer. One of these days, as God leads me, I'm going to do a whole podcast on the authority of the believer because um, it's just such an amazing spiritual weapon. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 10, verse 19. And again, we'll finish here. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Man, the word of God is an indispensable weapon. I love that. I love that. All right takes Bible study to a whole new level for, for those who get who grasp that. All right, Luke chapter 10, verse 19 says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, in the traditional King James, instead of the word authority, they use the word power. But that word power translates authority. I think the Greek word is exousia. It translates authority. So people say, well, King James says, Behold, I give you power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. That second word power, I think we talked about this in the last podcast, that second word power is dunamis, which is ability. So when you break it down, Jesus tells his disciples, of which we now are, he tells his disciples, I give you the authority over all of the ability of the enemy. That Jesus has given us authority over the ability of the enemy. Where is that authority? And we're not going to go into it here, but the authority is in his name. That word name also translates authority. So when we pray and end our prayer in the name of Jesus, 
What we're saying is we're praying and declaring what we're prayed to be so in the authority that is in the name of Jesus. That's just not just some churchy phrase that we use. There is authority in the name of Jesus. I know we have these gospel songs. There's power in the name of Jesus. Not if you don't understand the authority that's been given to you by that name. You can say Jesus, 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 Jesus till your mouth turns dry. If you don't operate in that authority and you don't use that name, the authority, right? We, we, we in times past, we see uh, TV shows and there's a policeman in the show and this is back, back, back in the day and they would say, stop in the name of the law. That word name means authority. Stop in the authority that I carry as a peace officer. Right? So the authority is in the name of Jesus. And that authority has power, uh, uh, that, that authority has power over the ability of the enemy. I'm just trying not to use power, but there you go. Okay? That Jesus, by his name, has given us authority over the ability of the enemy. So when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. When we make our declarations, we make our declarations in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I declare X, Y, Z, A, B, C. It's not in my authority. It's in Jesus' authority, right? You take a police officer and you put him in the street with his uniform on and he stops cars, cars will stop because that uniform says that he has the authority of the city or the county or, or the state, depending on what, um, what law enforcement department he works for. He can put his hand up and, he, and cars will stop in the middle of the street. Now, take that same police officer, take him out of his uniform, put him in street clothes, have him stand out in the middle of the, of the uh, street and hold his hand up. He's probably going to get run over because there is nothing on him that identifies his authority as a police officer. Even though he is, he's not dressed. Oh, God, that's good. He's not dressed in his uniform that gives him his authority. So likewise, we have to put on the authority and be identified in the spirit realm. We put on the uniform of Jesus and we say, in the name of Jesus, you will cease in the operations against my family. In the name of Jesus, you will cease in dealing with my finances. In the name of Jesus, I declare I am healthy, I am wealthy, I am whole. In the name of Jesus, we take authority over the spirit of division. That's how you deal with, that's how you fight, right? The Passion Translation says, now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. Now, 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 that last statement is important. Nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. But if you don't walk in the authority, you're going to get harmed. But if you walk and operate in the authority of Jesus, you can't be harmed as long as you walk in the authority. As long as you walk in the authority. See, just because we're Christians doesn't mean we can't be harmed. 
it's important to understand if I have a rifle in my house and somebody breaks in my house that has a gun and I'm trying to fight them with a butter knife and I got a rifle in the in the back of my house, I'm going to lose that battle. Because I'm not using what I have had what I have available to me to win the fight. So just because you have it doesn't mean you're going to win. You have to use what you have. Right? It's an old uh, <laughs> R&B song, uh, Chuck Brown. Use what you got until you get what you need, y'all. Right? You have to use what's available to you and take advantage of that authority and apply it on a regular basis. And now you'll see enemy can't hurt you. Can't attack you, can't hurt you. And if they attack, you fight back with the weapons of our warfare that are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. See how I did that? See how I tied that together? Boy, that was nice. That was nice. <laughs> All right, we're going to stop here and we're going to pick up with part two the next time. Um, as you guys know, I lay these podcasts out every other week. So uh, two weeks from now, we'll continue with part two of the three levels of spiritual warfare. I hope you were blessed by today's show, man. I know I was, and you know, I put these notes together, but God comes in and adds to whatever I've done, and, and it just makes it for an amazing time for me. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being with me. I'll see you next time on the Word Experience Podcast, where we experience the Word in a fresh new way. God bless you. Peace. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that what you heard will start you on a journey of change and transformation. If you'd like to communicate with Cliff with a question or a comment, you can do so via email at clifftalk 63 at gmail.com. That's clifftalks, the number 63, at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. God bless, and we'll see you next time on The Word Experience.